You know, uh, the, the message that, that I had to share, and the, the title was The Resistance Factor. And, and you know, as you progress and as you, as you grow in the things of the Lord, the enemy is not excited about that. And so what he begins to do is he begins to provide resistance toward us. And this is a little bit of a two-pronged message, and I don't want to focus on the fact that the enemy is resisting us because he, he really can't hold a candle to the dominion and the power that we have because of the blood of Jesus. If we understand that, and if we apply it in our life. But, but there is resistance, and you do see those things. And it's, you know, this is the second service in a row that I've had to go out and jump my daughter's car and, you know, leave church and run home. And, you know, last week on Saturday night, it was 11 o'clock at night. I'm driving around down to Purdue trying to find her stuck on the side of the road so I can jump her car and get her home. I mean, it, whenever you're about to do something that God wants you to do or speak something that God wants you to speak or share or whatever it is in your life, is maybe you're going to your neighbor's house and God's you know, told you that you need to share this word with them, or maybe it's an opportunity at work or whatever that might be. You get in a fight with your wife, or, you know, you get upset, or, you know, you start screaming at the dog, or, you know, the car won't start, or that's the, the resistance of the enemy. Many times it's the resistance of the enemy coming against you. But what we have to understand that, that we have all the authority and the dominion in our life, and that the resistance that, that he brings our way is nothing compared to all the power and authority that we have if we go past where he is. See, but, but we got to realize that. we got to remember that in the midst of jumping the car, in the midst of apologizing to our wife, in the, in the midst of, you know, petting the dog after you've kicked him down the stairs, or whatever that was, you know, the, you, you have to realize that, that it is a fight of faith and that the enemy is providing resistance. But, you know, you can still sail into the wind. And I've learned that, and you've heard my sailing experiences over the last, you know, few months, and they're not really great, and I'm not a good sailor. I'm really bad at it. And the biggest problem is going into the wind. That's the hardest. See, anybody can sail with the wind. These guys all wanted to go with the wind. We would have ended up in Puerto Rico somewhere. I mean, it would have just taken us fast. Everybody on the beach was quickly becoming very small. And I was losing track. You've heard this. I've, you know, I've shared it a few times. So what we had to do was we had to turn around. We had to begin to sail into the wind. And that's where you have to be skilled. See, that's where you have to understand and know what you're doing. Because that little thing, believe it or not, will go straight into the wind and keep going that direction. You tack. You go a little left. You go a little right. You kind of come back. But the, the resistance is still against you, but you're still going forward. But you have to know what you're doing. See, you have to know what you're doing. And it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, that we're fighting a fight of faith. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on the eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Pastor Bill has always said, always taught us that the good fight is the fight that you win. You don't come through too many fights as a loser and say, that was a good fight. <laughs> the winner does, but the loser usually, you know, He's not thinking the same way. But if you look in 2 Timothy, you also have to realize that not only are you fighting a good fight, but you're going to have to endure. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Therefore you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, when you have like an opportunity when you know you're better than the person that you're facing, when you know your team's better than the other team, you still have to go out and you still have to play the game. 
a lot of believers think that because I've read the end of the book and it says that we're victorious, that I don't have to necessarily go out and play the game. I don't necessarily have to go out and fight the good fight of faith because the Bible says that I'm going to win. But you face resistance. And if you're going to go forward in that resistance, and if you're going to go to the place that God has for you to go, you're going to have to know what you're doing. You're going to have to be skilled, but you're going to have to go. Because even though I turned my little thing around, whatever I was on, and I was in the middle of the wind, if I didn't know what I was doing, if I didn't fight, if I didn't continue to try to sail, I wasn't going to go anywhere. It actually just leaves me sit there in the water like this. And you start getting seasick real fast. And so what do you do? And just like believers, many times we turn around and just let the resist, just let it take us wherever it needs to go. But God said you need to go that direction. The enemy's going to provide resistance in your life. Fight the good fight of faith. You're going to have to endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It goes on and it says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as soldier. That means when you're in war, you're not worried about what's going on back home. See, when you're at war, you're, you, can't, you can't take yourself and distra- be distracted because you'll end up dead. Jesus said, focus on, see, it says, uh, says, focus on Jesus in Hebrews, right? The author and the finisher of our faith. Don't be distracted. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded soldier is dead soon. See, it happens. You don't have an opportunity. You know, all of a sudden, you oh, man, but what about this? You got to be focused on what you're doing all the time as the resistance is coming against you. If you go on, then it also says that anybody who competes as an athlete or competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Basically saying that if you're going to have this victory that Christ has provided us, then you're going to have to do it the way that he has provided for us to do it. Not our way, his way. Not our will, but his will be done in our life. And so as I face all this resistance and I face all these things, I'm encouraged and there's actually joy in the fact that I'm about to be an overcomer. See, that's the, the perspective has to change, and we have to think a little differently. When I'm done, finally, as I go back and forth along the shore, back, you know, I kind of feel good about myself when I finish because I beat the wind. Now, everybody with me has made fun of me and ridiculed me, so I don't necessarily feel good about myself as a person. But as a sailor, I feel somewhat accomplished. They're never lifting me up, man. They're always like, they're always against me. There's more to that story. There really is. There's a lot more to that story. I'm not the good guy in any of that, I'm telling you. But I did get to the other side, and I did, I did make it. But it, shush. But it says, in my Bible, you know, it's talking about this verse that says that if you're engaged in warfare, that you, you can't be in, in, entangled with the affairs of the world or the, the house. It says, rather than entangling himself in civilian matters, the soldier must dedicate himself wholeheartedly to the business of soldiery. In like manner, the warfare of the kingdom demands one's full attention. Not that you don't care for your children because they're part of what God gave you, and so you care for them, and you pay, but, you, but you can't be going back and forth between these two opinions. We've talked about it quite a bit over the last few weeks, and I'll talk about it here a little bit in a minute. We have to remain steadfast. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus, like we talked about earlier. 
Christ won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And it says that he gives it to us. And so for, for believers, we, you know, we really have the best of all the worlds because we know the end of the story. We know where we're going to be if we follow his pattern. We know what we have. There's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can hold us back. See, there's no enemy. There's no devil. There's no, there's, there's no evil in the way that we can't overcome because we have all the dominion, all the power, and the authority. It says that, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's nothing that can stop us. We have it. We own it. It's ours. We just have to walk it out. But there lies the problem. We have to walk it out. And so as we face the resistance, as we face the things that they may bring, that's where we have to determine, are we going to be the next verse? See, are we going to do the next thing? But it says, you know, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you go on one more then, it says, but we need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Be steadfast. The word steadfast means firmly fixed in place, not moving. I mean, you are firmly fixed in place. Not subject to change. You're firm in belief. You're firm in, de- in determination. You're the pit bull, you know, or the, the, the bulldog that's, whose nose is slanted backwards so that when he bites, he can continue to breathe and not have to let go. That's why the bulldog's nose is slanted backwards so they can hang on. They can still hang on and still bite and still do the thing that they do and still breathe. They don't have to worry about letting go. Every now and then my dog gets a little cantankerous and all I got to do is plug up her nose. Eventually she'll go, we all need air. But the bulldogs, he's, he's he's built right. You're built well. You're built right for the fight. Immovable means firmly settled or fastened. It means you're unyielding. That's how you persist, and that's how you go forward against the resistance. So you, you can't allow the resistance to overcome you. He'll try, and really, truly, the enemy can't overcome you unless we allow that. The devil doesn't have any, any, any ability to overcome us. He doesn't have any ability to overpower us. He doesn't have any ability to overshadow us. But if we take our focus off of Jesus, then he'll quickly do that. Just like Peter, like we talked about over the last couple of weeks, as he got out of the boat. It's very quick. But you have to remember who you are in Christ. You have to remember the victory and the battle that you've won and that it rages on. You have to understand the tools and the armor and the things that you have. It, but you're a soldier. You don't send some soldier out there with a slingshot and hope he can make it. They're trained. They're disciplined. Their wills are broken. See, they go through boot camp and they go through all those things, and then it becomes a solidarity thing. It becomes my will is whatever my commander has told me my will is, and that's what I'm going to do. Whatever my orders say, I will do that. I'm not going to do what I think I need to do. I'm going to do what I've been trained to do and what my commander tells me to do. The key is not to think. The key is to go and to react. Because you've been trained as a good soldier. And it says that we're going to endure hardship as a good soldier because we're trained. This is a group. You're here. Most of you have been in this church for a long time. Many of you have been born again and you know the word of God. So we're trained, but we're all still fighting resistance. I mean, has anybody gotten to the place in their life where they don't have resistance anymore? Because if you have, let me know when that's going to happen. You know? 
I mean, we all face those kind of situations. But what we have to realize is that we're all getting through, too. Think of the last battle. You know, how many times have you said, well, this is happening again? Well, that means you overcame the last time. So overcome again. Just don't stop. Now, here's the thing. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and this is where the resistance part gets to change. We don't have to talk about the devil resisting us because it says in his word that we're supposed to resist him. And that the resistance that Christ offers through you is greater than the resistance that the enemy offers toward you. And see, that power overcomes the other. And the devil is alive in this world, and he's out there roaming around, and he's seeking whom he may devour, and, and he has opportunity to act in the lives of believers if believers will give up their rights. See, no different than a, than a foreign a foreign army coming into a, to a place. They fight, they battle back and forth, but eventually, if that foreign army overtakes that country, it's because that country has given up. See, they, they throw up the white flag. Don't throw up the white flag because the, enemy's, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and to destroy. Don't throw up the white flag so that the resistance against you stops. Tear up the white flag, throw it away, and then grab the sword and go forward against that. Because the resistance that comes through Christ, the power that comes through Christ as you go forward, overcomes the enemy. It says that you're supposed to, in this particular verse, chapter, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But then if you go on and it says in verse 9, Resist him how? Steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Just like it said we were supposed to in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That same steadfast back there that said be firm, don't move, don't be budged, be determined, is the same way that you're supposed to resist the enemy. Determined. Not budging against the things that the enemy comes. If you go and you, and you look in, in James 4, 7, and we'll get there in just a second, we have to, if, you know, how many of you know half-hearted people? And how well do they do in their walk with the Lord? See, if you're half-hearted, half-hearted people aren't a lot of fun to be with anyway. You know, they kind of give in when it gets tough. They're the ones that you're always dragging along with you, right? I mean, they're the ones that really in the end you turn around and go, they go, we won! No, we didn't. I carried you the whole way. You know, I mean, many of us were half-hearted at one time, so it's good that somebody carried us. But, you know, it's that, it's that same, the half-hearted people aren't, aren't the ones that are like, yeah, let's go. They're like, let's go. Whoa, let's go back home. <laughs> see, they're the ones that when they wake up and they see, you know, on October when we're out there for the Sudan, they wake up and we're going to have putt-putt day and it's snowing halfway and it's sleeting halfway and it's about 22 degrees. The half-hearted ones are the ones that are like, yeah, I'd like to go, but I'm not going to. It's a little cold out. <laughs> now, if you weren't there because it was cold, I'm sorry. But, you know, that is a little half-hearted. I mean, this is an opportunity to change the country. You can't let a little bit of cold uh, get, stop you from doing that. That's resistance from the enemy. I mean, really, I mean, think about it. How often do we have, you know, like a sleeting 32-degree day? You know, on October 2nd, it was really going to be a great day. And it ended up being a great day because you know what? We weren't half-hearted. We didn't let the devil push us around. 
We went out there and began to proclaim the word of God, proclaim the will of God over that event, over the things, and didn't allow just a few situations and circumstances, a little bit of resistance from the enemy. See, we didn't allow those things to deter us. As a group, we went forward. See, we have leaders who do that, who, you know, we help them, we go along with them, we, do all, we follow them in that place. But in your life, you're the leader. See, in your life, you're the one who gets to make that determination. In your life, you get to determine whether you are going to stay home or whether you're going to go fight. So what are you going to do? What's going to be your choice? Because James 4, 7 says real clearly, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. There are a lot of people screaming at the devil. There are a lot of people who are out there throwing the Bible at the devil. There are a lot of people who are quoting Scripture and doing all kinds of things. They're binding, they're loosening, they're doing everything else. But we forget the first three. Submit to God. We get to resist the devil and he will flee. We understand there's resistance against us. And we think that we can just resist him and it'll be okay. But you can't resist him if you're not submitted to God. That's the most important part. The word submit means that you're yielded, that you're surrendered, that you're committing to the decision of another. See, and I only bring all these things up because I, I, I'm dealing with resistance in my own life. So if I'm dealing with resistance, I know you're probably dealing with things that aren't going the right way and the enemy's coming against you. So this is how I'm overcoming, so this is how we overcome. It says that you're, you're submitted to the decision. You're, you're committed to follow the decision of another. Isn't that sounding like, not my will, but your will be done? See, so saying, okay, God, I understand these things are coming against me, and I understand that I am an overcomer, and I understand that you are greater than me than he is who in the world that is fa- I'm facing, but I don't want to do it that way. Well, then you might want to duck and cover, because it might get rough. <laughs> but what you do, see, instead of that, is, is you, you say all those things, and you say, but you know what? I don't feel like doing it, but I'm gonna. And then you begin to go forward in those things. You're submitted to God. You're going the direction that he wants you to go. Then you begin to resist. You begin to bind. It says we have the ability to bind and loose in the word. And it works if you're submitted to God. That's part of resisting. You resist with the word of God. You resist by binding and loosing. You resist by being obedient to the word. And as you do those things, you're resisting the things that are coming against you. And you're like that wedge going right past that place. And then there's calm for about three minutes and there's more resistance. It's never a really happy time. But that, that's what happens. I mean, how, you know, again, how many of us have ever, you know, you might have a, a day of break, but the devil's still sneaking around. He's still looking at you. But here's the thing. What you need to live like is like it's a break all the time. Nobody should know that you're going through anything. Nobody should know that you're facing those things. Now, there's agreement and prayer and there's all those kind of things. But if they can see that on your face, see if they can see that in your actions, if they can say, boy, what's up? You must be going through some things. See, then, then I got to realize, am, am, I really, am I really meditating the word? Am I really speaking the word? Or am I letting my situations and circumstances affect what I'm thinking and then that affects what I look like and that affects my face? See, because if, if we're doing it right, we look good all the time. Things are great. Good to see you. I mean, a lot of the time, you could never tell Pastor Bill was going through something. He went through lots of stuff. Still does. But you don't hardly half ever know. Why? Because he understands the Word of God. 
He looks in the mirror when he doesn't feel well, and he tells himself, you feel good. I like you. Smile. <laughs> he begins to laugh at himself. Tells himself a joke. And see, the laughter does your heart good like a medicine, and all of a sudden he's rolling through these things. The person who doesn't find it funny is Pastor Pam, so pray for her. But he finds it extremely funny as he goes. But here's the thing, you know, the, the, the devil doesn't have any power over the believer unless we give it to him, and we give it to him through disobedience in our life. See, and the key to all of this submitting thing is to be obedient. Not about your feelings, not about what you can figure out. It's about what you're doing. What God's asked you to do, just like we said, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. So when your wife comes to you and says things aren't going well, then say, well, you should be living the word, honey. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Don't do that. That's when you would duck and cover because it's not about to get ugly. But you know people in your life, see, who are complaining about the things that aren't going well in their life. And then you go back to this thing and talking to Mike the other day, you know, he's sharing with me this, this message and, and this, this kind of thing. Somebody was talking to him about this situation and he said, well, now hold on a minute, you know, I mean, you made that confession, right? The word of God is truth. Yeah. Well, you, you believe that's true, right? Yeah. Well, th then this doesn't make any sense. Because if you know that living the Word of God means that there, there's going to be truth, that you're going to be blessed, you know it's true, you know what the Word of God says, you know what the will of God says, but then you're not being blessed in your life and you're cantankerous and you're getting kind of rough, that means you're probably not doing the first part of it. And so, you know, it gets confusing. And that's kind of the way Mike left it. Well, you're, very, you're really confusing me. Because what you're saying doesn't line up with what, you, you know, you told me. So something's not going, something's not going right going to have him share it in an offering here sometime and, and share that word because it's a good word. The word of God is true. You know the word. You live the word. You're going to be blessed. But if you don't, you won't. It is just that simple. Abraham obeyed. And you know, God always takes me back there when I start maybe get a little cantankerous or when I'm trying to say, God, you know, what, what is it? You know, is there something new? <laughs> Uh, you know, come on, you got to give me that new manna, man. I got to get that new thing, you know. And the new thing is, I told you to do that. Go do it. Oh, that's not real. That's not new enough. I need something sharp, you know. I need something fancy. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Now pack up your goods and get out of here. And what really amazes me about Abraham is he packed up his goods and he got out of there. You know, it wasn't about like, okay, where are we going to go? You know, I shared a little bit of it on Sunday. You know, that idea of what's going to happen or where it's going to go. You know, how's this going to work? What's, he just said, hey, hey, everybody, let's go. Get in the car. We're leaving. Get everything you got. We're taking off. In Hebrews 11, it said that he left not even knowing where he was going. That's true. I mean, that's true faith. That's trust. He wasn't looking for the map. He wasn't asking God for the next step, the next plan, the next thing. He just, God told him something that was completely beyond who he was. Look in Romans in chapter 4. It was completely beyond his body. It was completely beyond who he was as a person, what he could do physically in his life. See, it was, it was, a clear, it was all past all of that. But he said, God, has spoke, God tells him, that's got to be it, period. Done. Pack up the car. We're leaving. Now, I'm not telling you, you know, take off and pack your car and run away. But if God's speaking to you something, we need to be able to be obedient. You know, sacrifice, you know, isn't, isn't nearly as important to the believer as obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. First Samuel 15, or, you know, I mean, it, 
It's that idea that says, yeah, yeah, you can sacrifice all day long, but you were disobedient and you're trying to cover up your disobedience by sacrifice. That's just rebellion. And many times as believers, we like to sugarcoat all that in our life and pretend. When really, if we're going to be truthful with ourselves, we find out that, ooh, I'm somewhat rebellious. That's not a good place to be. See, because God doesn't like that. And that comes from disobedience in your life. But see, it says in, in, in Romans 4.19, it says, In not being weak in faith, it says, Abraham didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And he didn't, consider the, he didn't even consider the things that, that they couldn't do. He only considered what God said would happen. See, if he didn't consider his own body, then he, must, he has to consider something, so he considered what God said. And if you consider what God said, that's submitting to God. That's you over what I see. That's you over what I feel. That's you over what I can do. That's you. I mean, there's got to be resistance. He doesn't, have any, he doesn't have any seed. I mean, there's no way to have a kid. There's no, he doesn't have any people in his family. I mean, it's, it, he, he, there's a lot of resistance. Change your name from Abram to Abraham. Whoa, see, names mean something. Names mean something, God. What are they going to think? They're going to think I'm silly. I could be embarrassed. If I change my name to Abraham, that means I'm the father of many nations. Now, how am I going to be that guy if I can't even have a kid? I mean, that... He just said, hey, get in the car. Call me Abraham. Put a bumper sticker on the back of his car. God said, call me Abraham. Probably had a big Winnebago at that point because he's thinking, many, many kids. Better get a bigger car. You know, he went to the lot, traded out his donkey for a big... Winnebago, and, and off they went to wherever God said. Now, see, that's putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, that's a guy who packed up his house and took off and said, Yeah, by the way, call me Abraham. That, you don't consider your situations. You don't consider your circumstances. He's facing resistance in his life, but he understands the way to get through that is to submit to God. Submit himself to the Lord, and then God will take care of those things. It said he didn't consider his own body. It said in verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God either through unbelief. Fear, doubt, and unbelief will wreck the believer, and the devil will run you over in your life. And it only takes just a bit. Oh, it's just a little fear. That's more than enough. It's just a little doubt. Way more than you need. Boy, I don't think it'll ever happen. And the devil just run you over. See, he'll take those opportunities. He'll take that moment. He may let you get away with it this time. You say it the next time, he just runs right through your house. It says that he didn't waver at the promise. He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth. He stayed, he stayed right on track. It says as he goes on, it says he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was also able to perform. And here's the thing. God promised him, and he knew the will and he knew the promise of God. And in your life, I think it's very important. In my life, it's very important to know what God is speaking. To know what God is saying. You know, last night we were, we were in a live, and I've been sharing about Rachel, you know, and Daniel, and all the things financially with college and all of that stuff. And, you know, we just continue to plant seed and continue to do stuff. But, but it's important that you know what God is speaking. It's important that you know what he said to you. And then you don't listen to anything else. You don't look to the left. You don't look to the right. I have only one thing to stand on, that God will make a way where there is no way for Daniel, and he has. I don't know anything else, so I just keep standing on that. That's what we believe, and that's what we see. Holy smokes. They're having a lot more fun over there than we are. 
Somebody else can wrap this up. I want to go play with, with the kids. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yikes. Somebody might want to check the teachers. <laughs> it might be time. We need some help in the four and three-year-olds over here. There might be a little mutiny. <laughs> Yikes. You know, and with Rachel, I really believe, you know, I've been praying and I asked God and, and she wants to go to that big school and it costs a lot of money. And so we've been standing and you've heard a little bit about this. And, you know, I mean, you just have an opportunity to see in our life. I mean, we're no different than you. It's, it's beyond what we can do. See, the, the, the resistance, man, I mean, is all over the place. If I want to start thinking about resistance, all I got to do is start looking at the price tag of this. this I mean, I got to start looking. Go look at the, you know, you can get loans and all. I don't want to go. That's not, I, just, I don't want to see that. So what do I see? I see what God said. God said she's going to get a scholarship. And she's going to get a full ride. And it's like, yeah, okay. And he even told me, like, you know, I really feel like he told me what it was. And so I'm, I've been talking about it for a year. You know, I've been, I've been asking her every day to fill out the scholarship papers every day. She's like, I'm only a sophomore. And I don't care. <laughs> fill them out, man. <laughs> I don't want you to miss this because you didn't get a stamp on it. You know, so I was, you know, I was all over it. And, la- and last night, you know, she got a call while we were in a live, and she's a finalist for that scholarship now. So praise God. I mean, that's good stuff. You know, and it's, it's are, you, are, are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. I'm excited. You know, I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> you know, I'm not, but I, I'm not surprised because God said, you know, but then I, there's still resist. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, that's just still resistance. Do you say anything? Because what if she doesn't get it? See, I mean, those are all the thoughts, you know, that can, but you got to put those things down and say, why do I have to go there? Man, I'm going forward with what God, I'm just saying what God said. I'm not going to consider my own situation. I'm not going to consider my own circumstance. I'm not going to consider my own finances. I'm just going to be concerned with what God said. <coughs> Call me scholarship bound, whatever. What is, we keep going, man. We'll drive all the way there with little flags on our car. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. How would I know? How in the world did we ever get to where we are today? How did you get to where you are, Todd? I mean, come on, man. If any of you knew him before, he's like had people come in here and he's come up to me and said, hey, I know that guy over there. I was like, oh, praise God. He goes, yeah, yeah, we used to fight all the time. Oh, hey, that's not good. <laughs> and when he means fight, he's just not like, nah, says so. He's talking about pow. <laughs> yeah, I used to lay that guy out all the time, man. I was just going to get ugly tonight. I was like, hey, it's okay. Let's just pray. Go over there and just shake his hand, love on him a little bit. I mean, seriously, how did we all get to where we are? By the grace of God. And how are you going to finish this thing? By the grace of God, submitted to Him and allowing Him to make the difference in your life. That's the only way. The emphasis really on, is on knowing what He said. Because if you know, see, I, I know what God told me, so I don't, I, I don't go anywhere else. See, do you write the vision? Do you write the thing down? Do you, do, you know, in the men's thing in March on the 5th, that one's about vision. The last one was on influence. This one's about vision. Five guys, five minutes on vision. Because you have to have vision. I mean, you have to have a direction in your life. You have to have a rock. See, it says be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What are you steadfast and immovable with? I mean, what is it? It's the thing that God told me. That's all I got. That's all Abraham had to stand on. It wasn't like he was going to get younger. He was already 100. He could only stand on this. See, he was steadfast. He was immovable. said he didn't waver at the promise of God. That's what God had promised him. That's what he understood was true. And that's the thing that he took as he went against the resistance of the enemy. And if you read it, he won. If you read it, it happened. But you have to have confidence, right? 
What kind of confidence? Think about yourself. Think about those situations. Think about those times. Think about those places where you're confident. Not necessarily maybe in you, but maybe that's what you can remember. You know, but think about those times. Think about how you, you look different, you act different. Your voice doesn't quiver. You're authoritative in what you're doing. It means to be convinced, having an inward certainty or an inward trust. I mean, you're confident. And if you're confident in who you are, man, you act, everything's different. The way you walk, talk, the way you act, I mean, everything's different. The way you interact with people's different. Now, what we have to understand is not arrogance and not pride in our lives as believers, but confidence in God and His ability to lead us. But you have to have confidence in yourself and your ability to hear from God. You have to. Otherwise, you get wishy-washy and you're not sure. You know, I've said it for years. I said it all the time. I said it when we were back in January. But, you know, the one thing that Pastor Bill has taught me in all these years that I've been his son and, and, and been a part of what we've done here in this church, of all of those things, the one thing that I'm most thankful for and will continue to, to thank him for the rest of my life is, is teaching me how to be led by the Holy Spirit. It was not fun lessons. I didn't get breaks. I mean, you know, you've, I, mean, I, I got the same thing you got. <laughs> What's the word saying? What's the Holy Spirit say? You know, I mean, that's, that's, and, 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 go do this. And I say, how do you do this? He said, be led by the Spirit. That doesn't work, man. I need like a one, two, three. Give me a sheet. Give me a paper. Give me a noise. You know, give me something. So you know what you do? You begin to be led by the Spirit of God. You begin to open up yourself and say, God, I don't have a clue. I need some help here. You're standing outside the hospital and he sends you to go pray for somebody. I don't know what to do. Go to the jail and go talk to this guy. What? I don't want to go. I don't, what do I do down to the jail? I'm like, I look at the jail. I'm like, I don't want to go there. They might have my name back there. <laughs> I did some stuff. <laughs> I don't think the statute of limitations is over on some of this stuff. I'm just going to stay away from there right now. It's <laughs> just some stuff. I'm <laughs> just saying. This. But okay, I'll go do that. Come up here and pray for somebody. Come up here and share. Can you come teach my VBI class? Well, hey, I'm taking the class. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, th but those are instances and opportunities to hear from God. And then you see God be big. And then what you do is you gain, you gain a double-edged confidence, the confidence that he's going to lead you and that he's never going to leave you and he's going to speak the things through you. He's going to give you the wisdom to do it, give you the strength to do it, whatever it is. But the other side of that double-edged confidence is now I have confidence that I hear from God. And that never, I mean, you know, I still, I come back to Pastor Pam and I say, hey, hey, hey this is what I heard, and this is what I felt, and this is what I saw. And she just smiles and says, I know. I, she's just telling me, you're hearing I'm saying, okay. That's how she, I mean, she taught me the same way he taught me. That, that's the way it is. But what happens is you begin to gain confidence in all of that. Confidence in God, but confidence in your ability to be led. And Abraham knew he heard God. See, he knew he heard God, so now all he has to do is have confidence in God. And he did. He had confidence to begin to see that happen in his life. If you want to go against and you want to break through the resistance of the enemy, you just submit yourself to God. You do resist him. You speak those things. You have to do it by faith. And he'll flee. You'll go through. But you've got to know what God said. You've got to have something to stand on. The word of God, what he's speaking to you in your heart. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 
Actually, Hebrews, if you go back to 10, 35, and 36, that's where we were. It says, don't let go of your confidence. Don't give away your confidence because you'll have need, though you'll have need of it. It says, you'll have need of it. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you will have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Don't give away your confidence. You're going to need that. You're going to need your confidence in God. You're going to need your confidence in your ability to hear God. But you're going to have to endure some things, right? Endure as a good soldier. It says that as you, per, as you pursue, as you, as you go down that path through endurance, after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Hebrews 10.23 says, Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering, for he is faithful. See, he's always faithful. That was the end of Abraham's story. He was faithful. Isaac came on the scene. But then that wasn't the last resistance. That wasn't the last test, right? We talked about that way back in December, I think, or whenever that was. Mark eleven twenty two says, has faith in God. And I just want to tell you today that in that particular passage, you know, as they came upon the tree and Jesus spoke with his words, and they came back the next day and the tree was withered up and the, and the disciples were like, wow. And he said, fellas, seriously, do you understand what, the, the, you, understand what you got? Do you understand what, what this is about? Do you, understand the, do you understand what it means to have faith in God? Because then he goes on in the next verse, in 23. And it says that if you can do this, if you can go forward in this direction, if you can speak like this, if you can live like this, if you can have faith like this. See, it says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. As you speak to those seeds that you planted tonight, we said, don't let doubt become drought. See, don't doubt in your heart. But you believe the things that you say will be done. How many of you have heard somebody half-heartedly, see, quote the word, maybe half-heartedly resist the devil but not be submitted? You know, not doing it in the right order or not doing it in the right way. Those things all begin to get all mixed up. But it says, don't doubt in your heart, but you believe the things that you say will be done, then he'll have whatever that he says. Ephesians in chapter 6, and this is the last scripture and the last verse because this is important. You have to make sure that you're dressed appropriately. (laughs) If you have young women in your household or whatever and you you work at a high school, you'll understand dressing appropriately. They don't wear any clothes anymore apparently. They're They're not needed. But as a believer, you have to be dressed appropriately. And how many, you know, I, I did a thing a long time ago, and I had all kinds of crazy armor on. And I had, like, uh, little kid shin guards and a crazy catcher's thing, and I was all, you know, I had all the wrong stuff on. And I mean, if you don't have the right, you know, the, the, he's, he's given this for, you have armor for a reason. Because there's a, there's a resistance But if you can learn to stand it, if you can learn to resist, if you can learn to submit, if you can learn to have confidence, if you can learn to be steadfast, if you can learn to be a move, these are all maturing parts of being a believer. But you got to get up and you got to get dressed. You can't can't go out and just think, hey, you know, where's my sword? I don't know. I'll be all right. I'll just clang on the head with this, you know, shield or I'll take off my shoe and just, you know, who wants to go after the devil with a shoe? You know, I mean, he says it's a sword. I mean, it's a, do- it's a powerful sword, a double-edged sword. And like, you don't, you don't even remember the scripture that Pastor Bill taught you in overcoming faith or in authority. Of the ah, I can't remember what that thing was that he said. i have to call him next week and ask him. Well, you might done be run over by next week. 
You know, don't take your helmet off and whiz it at him. And, you know, too many believers are like throwing their armor as they're running away from the enemy. And it doesn't say that we're supposed to run away and throw our armor at him. It says, if you go back and you, you look in verse, in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Not run away from, but stand against them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not just parts, not just pieces, not just the ones you like, not the ones that make you look slim. Pick up the whole armor of God. The shoes, the whole deal, man. The belt, the breastplate. I mean, you've got you to get the whole thing going on. The helmet, the shield. The, you get the, all of the parts. Because it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, you'll be able to stand. Then it goes on and it says, stand therefore, having. And it talks about putting on all the armor. If you don't, you become a sitting duck for the enemy. But there's hope. There's hope. You still got a set of armor. You still got it sitting maybe in the closet, but you still got it, put it on. Each morning when you get up, begin to practice that. Like we did on Sunday morning, begin to practice his presence. See, begin to, begin to sing, I give myself away. I don't want any parts. See, that's, that's like putting on your shoes. And then hallelujah, man, you start putting on your breastplate and you're... You know, I mean, you're, you're getting all your stuff. I'm just telling you how I do it. I mean, I'm just being real. You know, I get to be the pastor of the church, but I'm just telling you, I got to do the same thing that you got to do, and I'm fighting all this stuff and all the resistance, and I mean, it just, it just gets more and more as you go up and up. So I got to go back to my, I got to go back to my, my checklist. I got to go back to my thing and say, you know, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you showing me? I get what he tells me. I begin to put those things down. I begin to stand on those things. I begin to shod myself with the man. I've got all my stuff going on, and I'm putting on my hat. I've got my armor. You don't, you, don't, you don't get another opportunity. I mean, what if you go out there, and you're just cantankerous, and you want to just do it your way, and you just say, I don't need my armor today, and whatever, and I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to say, I don't believe. And you start doing that, and then, poof, the devil wipes you out. You don't want to put yourself in that place. There is resistance coming against you, but you... Have the one greater inside of you than he who is inside the world. And if you'll allow him to drive your boat, you'll be able to go right past the wind that's coming against you. Amen? Let's stand up together today. Let's pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.